Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 11, Part 41 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 56 is entitled The Intercession, Part 5. In the prologue to Book 11, Milton writes, The Son of God presents to his Father the prayers of our first parents now repenting and intercedes for them. God accepts them, but declares that they must no longer abide in paradise, sends Michael with a band of cherubim to dispossess them, but first to reveal to Adam future things. Michael's coming down. Adam shows to Eve certain ominous signs. He discerns Michael's approach, goes out to meet him. The angel denounces their departure. Eve's lamentation. Adam pleads but submits. The angel leads him up to a high hill, sets before him a vision what shall happen till the flood. Michael is showing Adam the future up until the flood of Noah. We are told by Peter that only eight souls were saved on the ark. 1 Peter three nineteen through 20 By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Being the father and mother of the human race, through Milton's eyes, The teachings of Christ and his atonement were taught by Adam and Eve to their posterity and handed down from generation to generation. From Milton's point of view, Adam and Eve were Christians, and Christianity was first taught to the human race by our first parents. It goes along with Milton's theme to justify the ways of God to man. Mankind did not sin in ignorance. They willfully violated the laws. Michael teaches Adam. These are the product of those ill-mated marriages thou sawst, where good with bad were matched, who of themselves abhor to join, and by imprudence mixed, produced prodigious births of body or mind. Such were these giants, men of high renown, for in those days might only shall be admired, and valor and heroic virtue called, to overcome in battle and subdue nations, and bring home spoils with infinite manslaughter. Manslaughter shall be held the highest pitch of human glory, and for glory done of triumph, to be styled great conquerors, patrons of mankind, gods and sons of gods, destroyers rightly are called, and plagues of men. Thus fame shall be achieved, renown on earth, and what most merits fame in silence hid. Michael tells Adam of Noah, the only righteous man in an evil world. Michael points out that God rewards the good and punishes the evil. 
But he, the seventh from thee, whom thou beheldest the only righteous in a world perverse, and therefore hated, therefore so beset with foes for daring single to be just and utter odious truth, that God would come to judge them with his saints. Him the Most High wrapped in a balmy cloud with winged steeds did, as thou sawst, receive, to walk with God high in salvation and the climes of bliss. Exempt from death, to show thee what reward awaits the good. The rest, what punishment. Michael directed Adam's eyes as he looked into the future. Everything changed. The war ceased, but Adam's posterity followed the natural man and began to indulge in adultery, fornication, rape, licentiousness, libertinism, debauchery, wantonness, and abandonment. He looked and saw the face of things quite changed. The brazen throat of war had ceased to roar and now was turned to jollity and game, to luxury and riot, feast and dance, marrying or prostituting, as befell rape or adultery, where passing fair allured them, thence from cups to civil broils. Suddenly, Noah, referred to as a reverend sire, appeared and began to condemn their debauchery and call them to repentance. At length a reverend sire among them came, and of their doings great dislike declared, and testified against their ways. He often frequented their assemblies, where so met triumphs or festivals, and to them preached conversion and repentance, as to souls in prison under judgments imminent. The rioters did not listen. Therefore Noah withdrew from them and began to construct an ark. But all in vain, which when he saw, he ceased contending, and removed his tents far off. Then from the mountain hewing timber tall began to build a vessel of huge bulk, measured by cubit, length and breadth, and height smeared round with pitch, and in the side a door contrived, and of provisions laid in large for man and beast. When lo a wonder strange, of every beast and bird and insect small came sevens and pairs and entered in and taught their order. Last the sire and his three sons with their four wives and God made fast the door. The winds blew, the clouds gathered, and the long rains came. Meanwhile the south wind rose and with black wings wide hovering all the clouds together drove from under heaven the hills to their supply, vapor, and exhalation, dusks and moist, sent up amain. And now the thickened sky like a dark ceiling stood, down rushed the rain, impetuous and continued till the earth no more was seen. The floating vessel swum, uplifted, and secure with beaked prow, rode tilting o'er the waves, all dwellings else flood overwhelmed, and them with all their pomp deep under water ruled. Sea covered sea, sea without shore, and in their places where luxury late reigned, sea monsters whelped and stabled. Of mankind so numerous late, all left in one small bottom swum embarked. Adam is inconsolable at the destruction of his posterity. 
How did thou grieve then, Adam, to behold the end of all thy offspring, end so sad, depopulation? Thee, another flood of tears and sorrow, a flood thee also drowned, and sunk thee as thy sons. Till gently reared by the angel, on thy feet thou stoodst at last, though comfortless, as when a father mourns his children, all in view destroyed at once, and scarce to the angel utterest thus thy plaint. Adam laments. O visions ill foreseen, better had I lived ignorant of future, so had borne my part of evil only, each day's lot enough to bear. Those now that were dispensed, the burden of many ages on me lied at once, by my foreknowledge gaining birth abortive, to torment me ere their being without thought that they must be. In Adam's lament, Milton raises an immortal question. Is it better to be ignorant of the future when all it brings is sorrow? Should we really want to know our own future or the future of our children? Adam perhaps voices the view of many when he said, Let no man seek henceforth to be foretold what shall befall him or his children. Evil he may be sure, which neither his foreknowing can prevent, and he the future evil shall no less in apprehension than in substance feel, grievous to bear. But that care now is past, man is not whom to warn. Those few escaped famine and anguish will at last consume wandering that watery desert. When Adam first saw that wars had ceased, he was filled with hope only to discover that his posterity, living a life of ease, fell into lasciviousness and debauchery and brought down the destruction of God. He said, I had hope when violence was ceased and war on earth. All would have gone well. Peace would have crowned with length of happy days the race of man. But I was far deceived, for now I see peace to corrupt no less than war to waste. Adam, however, cannot contain his curiosity. He asks Michael if that is the end of his posterity. How comes it thus, unfold, celestial guide, and whether here the race of man will end? Michael answers, but his answer is not comforting. In war, they were void of virtue, and without virtue, in peace, they turned to wanton self-indulgence. Few are exempt. The conquerors turn from war to wantonness. The conquered, enslaved by war, lose virtue and the fear of God with their lost freedom. They turn to profligacy, dissipation, indulgence, incontinence, and intemperance. They forget truth and abandon faith, Michael said. Those who last thou sawst in triumph and luxurious wealth Are they foreseen in acts of prowess eminent and great exploits, but of true virtue void? Who, having spilt much blood and done much waste, subduing nations and achieved thereby fame in the world, high titles and rich prey, shall change their course to pleasure, ease and sloth, surfeit and lust, till wantonness and pride raise out of friendship hostile deeds in peace. The conquered also, and enslaved by war, shall with their freedom lost all virtue lose and fear of God, 
from whom their piety feigned in sharp contrast of battle found no aid against invaders. Therefore could in zeal thenceforth shall practice how to live secure, worldly or dissolute, on what their Lord shall leave them to enjoy. For the earth shall bear more than enough that temperance may be tried. So all shall turn degenerate, all depraved, justice and temperance, truth and faith for God. However, there is one exception. The only light in the darkness who does not abandon virtue. It is Noah and his family. By calling Noah the only son of light in a dark age, Milton is comparing Noah to Christ, anticipating the future coming of Christ in the meridian of time to save the world from spiritual darkness. Michael continues, One man except, the only son of light in a dark age, against example good, against allurements, custom, and a world offended. Fearless of reproach and scorn or violence, he of their wicked ways shall them admonish, and before them set the path of righteousness. How much more safe and full of peace, denouncing wrath to come on their impenitence, and shall return of them derided. But of God observe the one just man alive, by his command shall build a wondrous ark as thou beheldest to save himself and household from amidst a world devote to universal rack. No sooner he with them of man and beast select for life shall in the ark be lodged and sheltered round. But all the cataracts of heaven set open on the earth shall power reign day and night. All fountains of the deep broke up, shall heave the ocean to usurp beyond all bounds, till inundation rise above the highest hills. Then shall this mound of paradise by might of waves be moved out of his place, pushed by the horned flood, with all his verdure spoiled, and trees adrift down the great river to the open gulf, and there take root on island salt and bear. The haunts of seals in oaks and sea mews clang, to teach thee that God attributes to place no sanctity, if none be thither brought by men who there frequent or therein dwell. And now what further shall ensue? Behold. Adam is shown the flood, but he also sees the flood waters recede, and the ark beached on a high mountain. He looked and saw the ark whole on the flood, which now abated, For the clouds were fled, driven by a keen north wind, that blowing dire wrinkled the face of deluge, as decayed. And the clear sun on his wide watery glass gazed hot, and of the fresh wave largely drew after thirst, which made their flowing shrink from standing late to tripping ebb, that stole with soft foot toward the deep. Who now had stopped his sluices, As the heaven his window shut, the ark no more now floats, but seems on ground fast on the top of some high mountain fixed. And now the tops of the hills as rocks appear, with clamor thence the rapid currents drive towards the retreating sea, their furious tide. Adam sees a raven released from the ark, and then he sees the dove released, which he calls the sure message. 
forwith from out of the ark a raven flies, and after him the surer messenger, a dove sent forth once, and agent to spy green tree or ground, whereon his foot may light. It appears that Milton has in mind another dove that will descend centuries later at the baptism of Christ by John the Baptist. Matthew three thirteen through 17 Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In vision, Adam sees other sacred symbols. He sees the olive leaf, a symbol of peace, which also signifies the Son of God. He sees the rainbow, whose colors also symbolize peace, and the covenant God made that he would not destroy the earth by water again. Adam breaks forth in joy. The second time returning in his bill, an olive leaf he brings. Pacific sign, anon dry ground appears, and from his ark the ancient sire descends with all his train. Then with uplifted hands and eyes devout, grateful to heaven, over his head beholds a dewy cloud, and in the cloud a bow, conspicuous with three lifted colors gay, betokening peace from God and covenant new, whereat the heart of Adam erst so sad greatly rejoiced, and thus his joy broke forth. It reminds one of a scripture in Psalms. Psalms 35. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.